0: Thanks for checking out this video. My name's Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. Morning. If you got a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. So this morning is uh, what we would call a standalone message. It's not connected to a series. Uh, what I would say really, this is kind of an exclamation point at the end of the last 13 weeks. And so 13 weeks ago, we started literally in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And we walked our way through the Old Testament, saying how the Old Testament points to the gospel. Then we had Easter Sunday and uh, we explained the, the gospel, uh, how redemption and resurrection work together. Uh, and then we spent four weeks talking about how then the gospel affects every area of our lives uh, when we live out the gospel. That Christianity isn't just something that we add into our lives, it becomes the center or the foundation of our lives. And this morning, we're going to do kind of what Paul did, which is near the end of his letter to the Corinthians, where he has addressed many, many types of issues. He takes them back to the gospel. He says, I want to remind you now before I end my letter of this gospel. And so this morning, we're going to look at five applications or five points, five things we need to remember about the gospel. Now, when you hear this word gospel, maybe you think of The Romans Road, or you think of what it is that saves you or or got you out of hell into heaven, uh, or some type of um, booklet presentation that you experienced when you were younger, uh, or you think of Billy Graham, a great gospel proclaimer, and uh, things like that. This morning, what I want to do is form uh, maybe a deeper or, or wider understanding of this idea of the gospel, not just as the thing that gets you out of hell. But as this text would teach us, there's greater depth to it. So, there's in this text five things that the gospel is. First, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel. First, we must be reminded of the gospel. First, we must be reminded of the gospel. Now, in Acts chapter 18, Paul shows up in Corinth and he begins to explain the gospel to the Jewish uh, individuals in the city of Corinth. And so when Paul is explaining the gospel uh, to these people, he said he would meet uh, weekly in the synagogues and he would explain the gospel. And as we saw in this verse, in accordance to the scriptures. Well, at that time, their scriptures were the Old Testament. And so when Paul showed up to explain the gospel in Corinth, what he would have done is he would have started with Adam, and he would have showed him how Jesus was the better Adam, how sin came through Adam, but life came through Jesus, the gospel. And then he would have gone on in the story, and he would have said, and, and Jesus is the better Joseph. How Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers but forgave them and allowed them to partake in the bread even though they had betrayed him. Jesus is the better Joseph when we betrayed him, he allowed us to partake in the spiritual bread which was himself. How Jesus how Paul would have gone on and he would have said Jesus was the better Moses. How Moses led the people into the promised land out of the place of slavery. Jesus leads us out of the place of our spiritual slavery into a forever promised land. He would have said, Jesus is the greater Esther. Esther risked her life for the freedom of her people. Jesus gave his life for the freedom of his people. He would have said, Jesus is the better David. David killed the giant that was stopping the children of Israel from their freedom. Jesus slayed our giant sin with one stone and delivered us into our freedom and established a forever reign and a permanent kingdom. And so Paul would have shown up into Corinth and he would have just said, show me your Old Testament story and I'll show you how it's really about Jesus, how it's just a picture of the gospel. And so, if the Old Testament storytellers spent thousands of years pointing to the gospel, then how much more do you and I need to be reminded of the gospel? You never get too old, too mature in your faith, too knowledgeable for the gospel. Let me say it another way you never move beyond the gospel. Paul spoke, if you're wondering, what what is this gospel? Well, Paul spoke of the gospel in many places. One of the um, places that I love the most uh, in his definition of the gospel is in in a small book called Titus. Here it is. Here's this gospel. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the gospel of eternal life there it is. We were dead in our sin, but because God is good and Jesus filled with his loving kindness came and he saved us and he rescued us. It was according to what he did, not what we do. This is the gospel. And you and I must be constantly reminded of the gospel. It means every Sunday when you come, my job is not just to inform you of doctrine or theology or tell you how to live your life. My job is to remind you of the gospel. As one of my favorite preachers says, he said, every week when my people show up, I just pretend like they're the biggest heathens. I'm going to save them again. We must be constantly reminded of the gospel. Secondly, he says, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you. The gospel must be preached. Or, as Paul says in Romans, how can they be saved unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone tell them unless someone preaches? The gospel must be preached, it must be preached in every sermon. It means that um, you can teach out of the Bible, you can use the Bible on a Sunday morning and it not be preaching. You can use it to learn life skills. You can use it to give life advice. And all that adds up to is, as Paul would say in Philippians, empty philosophy. It's no different than any other book in the self-help section of your Barnes & Noble. Void of the gospel. Void of the gospel. The practical life application truths in here lack power. Sure, that can motivate you. Sure, maybe it can give you a good tip, but it will not change you. Romans 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the Jew first answer the Greek. Only the gospel changes life. Only the gospel has the power to redeem. Only the gospel can really change us from the heart. The gospel must be preached. It means every week. My job then is to take the truth that is taught and not just teach the truth. Don't lie. Be nice, but get to the gospel that is its root and its foundation. Sure, learn doctrine, study theology, get training, have experiences with God. These are all good things, but all of those things should only help you understand the gospel better if you study terms like sanctification or justification or adoption, if you get into debates on Calvinism and Arminianism, sure, do it, but only to help you understand the gospel better. If you have a meaningful worship experience where you sense the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's fantastic. And what it should do is help you understand the gospel better. It always comes back to this. The gospel must be preached. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. Which you received. The gospel is received. It's good news that is received. Said another way you can't grab the gospel, you don't earn the gospel. You don't take the gospel, you receive the gospel. You receive this good news. When you and I work hard, when we perform well, we expect a, a bonus, we expect some type of a reward. It's why Paul uses this terminology in Ephesians when he says salvation is not a reward, it's a gift. A reward is something that you get that you've earned. A gift is something you get simply because of the goodness of the giver. The gospel is received. It is not earned. It is not achieved. You and I, Christian person, church attender, financial giver, servant, volunteer, whatever, moral person, the sum of your good works, all of them, all it has left you with, is an incredible negative balance. All of your good works here's the good news of the gospel. Even with your negative balance, you can still receive the gospel because there's nothing you can do to earn it. The gospel is less like your work bonus, right? Which we often think about. Uh, We we think of the gospel as something, if if I hit certain amounts of steps, if I, if I accomplish certain amount of tasks, if I do something, then I earn this. Imagine a scenario where you've worked hard your entire life, your entire career, right? And then the job opens up ahead of you that you have always wanted, You've always wanted the pay and the perks that come with that job, and you have done everything you can for 20 years in your career to get to it. And then all of a sudden, it opens up, and instead of giving it to you, they go out, and they find some guy on the street, and they put him in that spot. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is you showing up each and every work, giving it your best effort and your highest uh, your, your highest morality each and every week. It's doing everything you think is right in raising your kids. It uh, could be even reading your Bible and having spiritual discipline and, and doing certain things. It could be all of that, but that could sum up to nothing void of the gospel. And in a moment, The gospel can fall on the worst of people and they're in and you're not. Why? Because your efforts mean nothing. Not kind of or sort of nothing. The gospel is received in a moment, born again. In a moment, as scripture would say, the eyes are open, the heart is open and you believe in the gospel. Then all of those good things come after and you do all of those good works. Friends, it means you could show up. Why I have to preach the gospel every week is because you could show up every single week thinking you're okay and never actually get it gospel is received. It's a heart that is melted by Jesus's death on the cross and the payment for your sin. It's the moment when you finally realize every reason that you built up in your mind on why you're okay means nothing. Save the gospel. The only thing that makes us right before God. The only thing The gospel is received. Friends, it means while you're busy showing up to church, giving money, being moral, whatever else, there could be some guy out there doing nothing. But if he receives the gospel, they're in, he's in, she's in. Why do I say this? Do not let your moral behavior Be the thing that stops you from embracing the gospel. I would say moral behavior is a bigger deterrent to receiving the gospel than sinful behavior. Oftentimes, sinful behavior, we know we need the gospel. Moral behavior stops more people, I would say, from receiving the gospel than sinful behavior. Why? Because they think they're good. Next. Okay, if you're wondering, well, then what do I do? You receive the gospel. It's there for you. It's there for the taking. And once you receive it, you'll realize that if you don't do another good thing, if you've truly received the gospel, then you're okay. But if you've truly received the gospel, then you will certainly do good things because you've received the gospel. Next. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, the gospel is something you receive, in which you stand. The word here is histame. It means for an object to persist persist and to persevere or to stand fast. We stand fast. In or on the gospel. Imagine two people of equal fighting capability. They're outside, it's a snowy day, not too hard to imagine, right? We, well, maybe today, but a couple days ago it wasn't. Snowy day. They're out there and they're going to fight. And one of them is not properly dressed for the weather. I mean like super cold and the other one has all of the nicest you know cold gear on and the boots and the the weird scarf thing and everything else and gloves and all of that who's protected against the elements the one who's standing in the proper clothing to stand in the gospel is to be protected you're standing you're you're, you're letting it cover you so now you're standing in it so then you are protected when you stand in the gospel. Protected from what? Well, what we can't imagine is storms, right? Like when the storms of life come after you, and when they come and they're belting you, you're protected because you're standing in the gospel. You're standing in Christ's love, it, it protects you from attacks against your identity because you're standing in Christ's view of you. You're standing in the fact that you, uh, your identity comes from whose you are, not what you are. You're standing in God's promises. You're standing and being affirmed by who he says you are. You're standing in the knowledge of your salvation. You're standing in the fact that he is always with you. You're standing in the fact uh, that he's working out all things for your good. You're protected because you're now standing in the gospel. And so when attack comes, uh, when, an, when an assault on your identity comes, you you lose a job or, or you don't get the respect that you think you're supposed to get or uh, something else happens and it threatens your perspective of yourself and makes you want to quit and crumble. You're protected because you're standing in the gospel. When the enemy comes after your mind and he wants to pollute your thinking, you're protected because you're standing in the gospel. It's protective gear. That can't hit me. I'm standing in the gospel. You see this sometimes when people go, I don't know how that person is doing it. I don't know how they've made it through that. I don't know how they, Peter tells us that our faith is proven trustworthy in the trial. Why? Because people who stay faithful in the trial knew how to be protected in the gospel so rooted. I'm so covered by Christ's love and his perspective for me that the typical thing that would knock someone else down doesn't knock you down because you're standing in the gospel. You see, the gospel is so much more than the ABC of Christianity. It is all of it. We just keep coming back to it. You might have issues right now right? Uh, It might be an addiction. It might be greed. It might be jealousy. It might be this. Let me tell you why you have that issue. You don't believe the gospel. That's why. And you say, of course I believe the gospel. You know, Paul and Peter had a conversation in Galatians chapter two. And you know what Paul says to Peter? He said, Peter, you don't believe the gospel. At this point in time, Peter was arguably the uh, single most important person in the church, And Paul looks at Peter and he says, You know what your problem is, Peter? You don't believe the gospel. You don't believe the gospel. What he was saying there is, You have not learned yet, Peter, how to apply the gospel deep enough into this area of your life. You haven't learned yet. Why are you jealous? Why can't you forgive? Why are you bitter? Why are you anxious? Why are you greedy? you haven't yet applied the gospel to that area. Here's the good news. When you receive the gospel and you apply it into those areas, you're set free from those things. The gospel is something we stand in that protects us. It's also something that's we stand on that gives us power. So a couple weeks ago, Um, probably more than that now, I was at a birthday party at Sky Zone. It was for Danny and Danae's twins, Noah and Lily. And they have a joust pit on a balance beam over a foam pit. And um, I challenged Lily, who was turning 11, uh, to a joust match on the balance beam. I said, if you beat me, I'll give you 10 bucks. She's 11. So we walked out on the balance beam to have this joust. I took one swing at her, she didn't fall down, I lost my balance and she hit me and knocked me in. So I lost. Now I'm fairly confident, Lily's pretty buff, I'm fairly confident though, that had we been standing not on a balance beam that I could beat her, okay? She might object, but I think I can win. The reason I lost, this is my take on the story, the reason I lost is because what I was standing on and what I was standing on didn't allow me to have the power that I normally would have. Had I been standing on something that allowed me to have more power, then I would have won the battle. When you stand on the gospel, you then have the power for every fight. You have the power for every battle. Like when life doesn't go your way, standing in the gospel means that you don't waver in your faith because you remember Jesus didn't waver in rescuing you. When you feel betrayed by a close friend, standing in the gospel allows you to love even that person because you remember that Christ loved you when you betrayed him. When there's a temptation or an excuse to act less than Christ-like. Standing in the gospel gives you the power because uh, you remember remember to be kind because you're rooted in how kind Christ has been to you. And so you're just standing on Christ's kindness. And they're as mean as can be. And it's like, it doesn't matter what you throw, what your meanness doesn't mean. I'm standing on the gospel of kindness. I can still be kind to you. When you feel alone... Or bored. Standing on the gospel gives you the power of remembering that you have a constant friend and a constant purpose in Christ. When you feel a giving up because you aren't seeing progress, standing in the gospel is being reminded that Christ already secured the greatest victory for you and you are marching on a path of your full redemption. Don't give up. When we stand on the gospel, it gives us the power to fight to fight sin, to fight the enemy, to fight temptation. We stand in the gospel and it protects us. We stand on the gospel and it gives us power. You, Christian friend, you have this power. You have this protection. The picture then here is, uh, um, and I'm not saying we don't get sad. I'm not saying we don't get hurt. I'm not saying we don't get angry. I'm not saying we don't get lonely. I'm not saying we don't get worried. I'm saying that when the rest of the world has to respond to certain uh, of life's happenings in one way, when you're standing in the gospel and you're standing on the gospel, we respond differently. You look at Job, say, how in the world did he do it? Because Job understood the gospel. Thousands of years before even Jesus showed up, he understood it. And so he could withstand it. That same power is in you. It's in you. Lastly, this gospel then says this, and by which you are being saved, this gospel, and by which you are being saved. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to keep working to earn your salvation, like you're in a process of being saved, and if you get across the line, then you're good. Doesn't mean uh, that you aren't saved, you're going to hell if you haven't reached a certain point. What it means is that the gospel is the means to which we become more and more like Christ. The gospel is how you become more like Jesus. It is the mechanism Oftentimes we think, well, if I just had more doctrine, if I just had more theology, uh, if I I just had more practical advice, then I would um, become more like Jesus. No, those things not rooted in the gospel are meaningless. The gospel is the means to spiritual growth. Which means if you want to grow in Christ, the way you do that is by growing in the gospel. The gospel is the means to trusting God more because you look and see how he never failed you, how he went to the cross. The gospel is the means to loving your neighbor more because you see how Jesus loved you. It's the means to loving your enemy more because when you were his enemy, he loved you. So how do you love your enemy? You look and see how Jesus loved you. You understand the gospel more. The gospel is the means to releasing bitterness and engaging in forgiveness. How do you release the bitterness? You look at Jesus and you see, had he held on to what you and I did to him, he would have never gone to the cross, but he let it go. Now you can too. The gospel is the means to finally forgiving that person because Christ forgave you. The gospel is the means to restoring the broken relationship because Christ restored and reconciled our relationship with God. The gospel is the means to move past your failure to not be haunted by it anymore because in the gospel you are made new. Every bit of growth for the Christian comes through understanding the gospel better. It's what moves us from death to life. And so if you're here today and you're like the guy or the girl working hard to earn a gospel bonus, stop. Stop and just receive it. Receive it. Receive the gospel. Receive the good news that nothing you ever do will make you right with God, but in a moment what Christ did on the cross finished the work for you. And now you have the protection and the power of the gospel. If there's something in your life that you need to move past, dig into the gospel and see how it sets you free from that thing. Paul says, I deliver to you this of first importance this gospel. Is first because it came first, first because it is most important, and first because it is always what we must go back to. When you and I were dead in sin, Christ came and paid the price for us, resurrected for the grave. You say, What impact does that gospel have? Look at the impact it had on Paul. He goes on to say, This is the same thing I received. He doesn't go on to say, and then because I learned everything else after it. No, no, no. In a moment, Paul received the gospel and he moved from the murderer of Christians to the planter of churches. Not because he had uh, a whole bunch of other training and everything after that. No, he was changed in that moment. The gospel changes. Father, I pray right now that we would be able to embrace this good news of the gospel. We were dead in sin, and you made us alive. We're not missing anything else. That's enough. Friend, it's enough to save you. It's enough to change you. It's enough to set you on a life of freedom and godliness. If you're here this morning and you've never received the gospel, the good news is, that you can earn it, and you've been trying so hard to do so. I invite you to receive it this morning. With no outspoken words in your heart, pray this Jesus, I'm sick of trying so hard. Thank you for doing the work for me on the cross, for finishing it. I believe in you. Change me. And if you're here this morning, and there's something you haven't been able to get past. Look deeper into the gospel. Forgive that person. Restore. Re energize. Stop the worry. Find the peace. And find it in the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.